Nation, so glad you joined us today, and um, we have a uh, a story that you may be familiar with. At least most of you are familiar with the story that we're going to talk about today. Uh, we're not going to actually read the text. We're going to actually let you just go through it with us. It's in the uh, fifth chapter of Daniel. And I'm sure that most of you are familiar with the phrase when someone says, the handwriting is on the wall. I don't think there's hardly anybody that wouldn't understand that phrase. I'm sure we've heard it many times before. When somebody says, you must not know the handwriting is on the wall. Well, that phrase technically comes from the fifth chapter of the book of Daniel. And that's where we're going to be today, Daniel chapter 5. Um, and the text we want to, or the subject we want to talk about today is uh, what to do before the handwriting is on the wall. Because when the handwriting is on the wall, it's a possibility that it's too late. 
So you technically want to do something before the handwriting is on the wall. And we'll see in, our, in the, the text today what's happening with the arrogant king. I'd like to give a great big um, God bless you to those in the uh, chat room today. God bless all of you all. So glad you have joined us. Those who may be listening and are not in the chat room, thank you for joining us also. If you have your Bibles, we will be in the fifth chapter of Daniel. And it's talking about an arrogant king. Now, I know that's almost like an oxymoron when you say arrogant king, because most kings are arrogant. Just like most presidents are. Matter of fact, let's just stop this. Almost There's maybe one king uh, throughout our history, uh, maybe two, that wasn't just completely arrogant. Most presidents are arrogant because for you to say, I want to run for president and I want to be in charge, you're saying I'm smarter than other people and I can do a better job. So there has to be a certain amount of arrogance that goes along with want to be in charge of a country. Now, I know a lot of people want you to believe that most of these people are not arrogant, but just listen to them, you'll see it. Here we have uh, the King Beljar. I think it's pronounced King Beljar. Um, but he is the king now. Technically, he's like the co-king. Now, in the, in the history, a lot of people who says the Bible is contradictory, they says, uh, see, the Bible make a mistake when they call Belshaw, Belshazzar, the king. Technically, he's not the king. Technically, his father, Nabonidus, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, is the king. He's like a co-king. It, it proves out, but see, his father was a military guy, and he actually liked war. He left his son in charge, so he's like a co-king uh, right there. But the Bible calls him King Belshazzar. Shazar. He's in charge, and he decided that he was going to throw a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles, and he was going to drink some wine with them. Now, many believe uh, will say that they always drunk. I don't know if they always drunk. Now, I've read a little history on this, and they say is that normally, and I don't know how accurate it is, but normally, the kings of Babylon didn't didn't wasn't inviting people to feast. And he drank with them because he was almost like it was a god. He wasn't worthy enough to drink with him. I don't know how true that is. And I don't know if the statement is they all was drunk. But just let's, let's just be honest. If they were all there drinking, I'm sure there were some drunk people there. So it says also Belshazzar and his, his father. Now don't forget they were like the, the last kings of the Neo-Babylon Empire. So they can be called like joint kings or co-king, whatever name you want to throw out there. You may wonder how Babylon how Babylon became so powerful. Well, Nebo Polazar, and, and 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 that he is the uh, is the father of Nebuchadnezzar. He defeated the Assyrians with the help of the Medes kings. Then Nebuchadnezzar married either the daughter or the granddaughter of the Medes king. That's how they did it back in the day to put the kingdoms together. 
to build like an alliance between the Medes uh, and the uh, Babylonians. But Nebuchadnezzar's father and the king of the Medes attacked the city of Ashjar and defeated the Assyrians, which uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's father was unable to do by himself. Then it says in 2012 B.C., the city of Nineveh fell to the Babylonians and the Mede coalition team. So the, the last Assyrian king tried to regain power with the help of the Egyptian, but was, was defeated by Nebuchadnezzar, uh, which some call Nebuchadnezzar II, in 605 B.C. So Babylon became a powerhouse by defeating Nineveh. Now guess, you remember who built actually Babylon and Nineveh? The Bible talks about it a little bit. It was a mighty warrior back over there in Genesis chapter 10. His name was Nimrod. Uh, it's funny that he actually is the one who founded Babylon and Nineveh, and now they're fighting against one another. Because in Genesis 10 it says, Cush was the father of Nimrod, who became a mighty warrior on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. That is why it's said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. The first centers of his kingdom was Babylon, Ukik, Akkad, and Shinar. It says also from, the, from that land he went to Assyria where he built Nineveh. So Babylon and Nineveh is the house that Nimrod built, so to speak. Don't forget now Jonah had proclaimed that judgment was coming to Nineveh. <laughs> See, you, sometimes y'all think when these prophets in the Bible is talking, they just talking to be blowing air. It's going to come to fruition if they said it, because they usually would say, thus says the Lord. Now you remember when Jonah came to town after he got spit up on shore, being in the belly of the fish about three days and three nights. In Jonah chapter 3 verse 4 it says, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. But remember that revival broke out in the city. I wish we could have a revival like this that bro uh, broke out in Nineveh from the king all the way down to the lowest, including the animals. They had a fast in prayer because Jonah came through there just preaching fire and brimstone message. They don't preach those kind of messages no more. It's all touchy-feeling. God just want to be your friend. He's like Santa Claus now. But just like Israel did so many times after they were spared uh, by God having mercy on them, they forgot about who had spared them and they turned to their wicked ways. It took 150 years for Nineveh to be taken out after Jonah came through. They got right for a little while. And uh, there's some other prophets that also talked about Nineveh. Nineveh's destruction. So, of course, Babylon was going to defeat them because it had been prophesied about. Nahum, which nobody usually preaches about, he's a minor prophet. He once referred to Nineveh as the burden of Nineveh, speaking about their destruction. Isaiah also prophesied against the Assyrians. Also, he said that, Woe to the Assyrian, the rod of my anger, in whose hand is the club of my wrath. I send him against a godless nation. I dispatch him against the people who anger me to seize loot and to snatch plunder and to trample them down like mud in the streets. But this is not 
what he intends. This is not what he has in mind. His purpose is to destroy, to put an end to many nations. So the handwriting was on the wall for the Assyrians' destructions. It was so plain, uh, you'd think that if Belshazzar had did a little reading, he will understand how God Almighty works. And in, in verse 2, it says, when Belshazzar was drinking, he got full of that wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and the silver uh, goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father. Now, technically, Nebuchadnezzar is not the father of Belshazzar. It's kind of like when they say it's like Father Abraham and many sons. He technically wasn't his father. He could have been his granddaddy. He could have been just a descendant of Nebuchadnezzar. I don't want to get into that argument because it refers to it many times in this aspect of the chapter, but it's obvious uh, that he was not his father. So the Bible is not contradicting itself as many uh, of the atheists and those who are critics of the Bible is saying. It says, while Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and the silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles and his wives and his concubines may drink from them. Mm. It is said that Belshazzar's name literally means Baal protect the king. You're going to see that Baal ain't going to do him no good here pretty soon. We, uh, Baal was not able to protect him, even though technically Baal is no God at all. The Lord of hosts, when he declares judgment, Baal and none of these other fake gods can do nothing for you. The text says when he had got to drinking his wine, he began to get a little puffed up. See, the uh, Proverbs 20 uh, verse 1 says, wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby, thereby is not wise. So when his grandfather or his great-grandfather or him being the descendant of Nebuchadnezzar, uh, remember when he had conquered Jerusalem, he went in and took the gold and the silver goblets that Solomon had put in the Lord's house. That was, I believe, maybe three kings in between Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar, maybe even four. I don't know. I'm not a historian major, but I kind of like two or three of them myself. Could have been four. They argued back and forth over there. I ain't got time to argue about that. You right. So think about this. This big party that had uh, that he had decided to throw for himself. His dad is out there fighting, they say. He's like the co-king. And uh, the text calls it a great banquet. He was feeling real good about himself. It says he sent for the sacred drink containers so that he and his nobles and his wives and his concubines may drink of them. He invited everybody to the party. He, I don't know how many wives he had because I didn't try to count them. Uh, they say he had wives and concubines. And they all got invited. They ended up just drinking having a good time. <laughs> Notice Nebuchadnezzar never tried to drink from these vessels. Many believe one of the other kings who was technically called Amil Marduk, some call him the evil Marduk. Uh, neither one of them ever drank from these particular uh, vessels that was, was, was in the Lord's house. Don't forget that Cyrus uh, uh, is outside besieging the city while the banquet is going on inside. <laughs> the Babylonians knew that uh, Cyrus was coming because he was conquering many countries. 
Babylon had food for years and the Euphrates River ran through the city. They said, we good. <laughs> we don't care nothing about no siege going on. I said, he can't come up in here. Yeah, we all good. Eat, drink, and be merry. Come on, pass the wine around. That's what they were saying in the city. He said, we got this banquet going. He was showing out, so to speak. It said that Babylon's walls were considered impenetrable. It, it ain't no way you getting up in here. That's what they were saying about the walls. So Belshazzar says, I'm good. <laughs> he decided, like he was like mocking Cyrus for trying to attack him. They said that those walls were so wide that two chariots can run side by side upon. This is, this is a great wall. I mean, talking about the great wall of China. That Babylonian wall was pretty big too. Cyrus decided he would never break down the Babylon wall, so he must enter another way. Now, this party is going on on the inside. Cyrus said, I'm about to take you out. I'm looking to, to destroy you. So he placed, they say he placed, history has it that he placed some of his army at the gate where the river enters the city as to pretend he was still attempting to enter. Then he placed another part of his army at the back. Some say he clogged up the river and dug under it to get into the city or so his men can march across to go through the city another route. Others say he turned the Euphrates by a canal into the basin. Then the river sank low enough for his men to enter under the city. So the great banquet is going on inside while the city is under attack on the outside. Belshazzar said, try all that you make. Ain't no way you coming up in here. We're secure. Eat, drink, and be merry. Come on, pass the wine. Then the text says in verse 3, so they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem. And the king and his nobles and his wives and his concubines drank from them. He said, drink up, everybody. We're going to disrespect that God of these Hebrews now. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver and bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Got a many gods up in there. Now this... The, the arrogant Belshazzar is mocking God Almighty now. So he has, he, he, he was mocking uh, Cyrus first by throwing the great banquet while he's seizing him outside. Then he decided to mess up. He, he took it a little further. He said, I'm going to mock God a little bit now. So the Bible says, be not deceived. God will not be mocked. <laughs> you can forget about this. So look at what happens in verse 5. Suddenly, after they start getting full of that wine drinking and stuff, now, it ain't because they've been drinking that they're going to see this, this image here. It says, suddenly, the fingers of a human hand, not the hand. See, it makes it look even creepier. It says, not even the hand appears. Suddenly, a finger of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. <laughs> Now you man, he's in there drinking out of one of them gold uh, things, his wives and concubines, a thousand of the nobles in there just getting full of them drinks. And they drinking, all of a sudden, the king just freezes and looks at the wall. Belshazzar's offense <laughs> was so repulsive to the only true God that he wrote a riddle for the king. He said, I'm gonna, I got some right. I want you to read this writing right here, since you're so arrogant. Think about how terrifying it would be have to have seen a human uh, finger start just writing. No, no hand just writing on the wall. 
I don't know about you, but I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop drinking. We're going to come up out of here. Some strange things happening. It says the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall. What was the king doing while the handwriting on the wall was happening? That's what I like to know. I like to see the picture of the king. It says that uh, the the that that while the the handwriting was wall uh, right while the while the, the finger was writing on the wall, it got the king's attention. Yeah, that's that's like an understatement right there. <laughs> the king watched the hand as it wrote. Then look what happened in verse uh, six. His face turned pale. He was so frightened that his legs began uh, became weak and his knees were knocking. <laughs> clap, 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 clap. Can you imagine all of these people seeing the king face turn pale? He became weak at the knees, not in a good way either. <laughs> this big shot is not such a big shot anymore. Big baller, so to speak. See, what the big shot did not know is that God the God he was mocking had allowed, had allowed he and his father to be the rulers of Babylon. But now his arrogance had got the best of him. This must be what it means to be weak at the knees. The text says he was so frightened that his legs began, be, be, became weak and his knees were knocking. And then verse 7 says the king summoned. This is where, you, this is where I always find it funny when people always want to try to go I, I get some, some pagans or some heathens to tell you the interpretation of God Almighty. The heathen can't tell me nothing about God Almighty. Verse 7 says the king summoned his enchanters, astrologers. Yeah, some of you will still want to know your sign. You look at, I'm a Scorpio, I'm a Capricorn. What difference does that make? What does the word of God says about that? Foolishness. Then he says uh, to these wise men of Babylon, whosoever reads this writing, and tells me what it means, will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck. And he will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. So he decided that it's very important that he understands the handwriting on the wall. Notice that he said the third highest ruler in the kingdom, proving that his father was first, he was second. Whoever tells me this interpretation, you can be third. <laughs> the wise men came in and tried to interpret it. Now, this is what the leaders of the world does many times. When there's a major problem, a catastrophe happens, they inquire the help of the unbelievers to solve spiritual problems. Unbelievers cannot uh, solve spiritual problems. It will never happen. I don't care how smart they are. Don't make no difference. They're not spiritual. The problem is they do, they do not speak the language of the God of heaven. How are you going to interpret this? So the king summoned the enchanters and astrologers and diviners. So the king issued a reward. He says, whosoever read the writing and tells me what it means, you're going to be clothed. I'm going to hook you up. You're going to be clothed in the raw purple. I'm going to give you a big gold change uh, around your neck. And then you'll be the third. You'll be sitting right behind me, third in line. Notice he says, <laughs> just notice he says the third person. So, I, so many times you read about the history of account. And those people keep saying, see, the Bible made a mistake. So obvious if you actually wouldn't read with such biasness, but I'm not going to argue with you. The text uh, chapter, and verse 8 says, then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing on the wall. 
So King Belshazzar became even more terrified. <laughs> as, his face, as his face grew more pale, his nobles were baffled, you don't say. So the fake wise men told the truth and says, we are unable to read uh, this God-inspired writing on the wall. This caused Belshazzar to become even more terrified. The unknown brings more fear to most. Like, I don't know what this is, but I'm really scared. Now, give me some more drugs. Then the text says in uh, verse uh, number 10, the queen. Now, this is not uh, uh, his queen. This is not his wife. You already know his wives and concubines is already there. It says the queen hearing the voices of the, of the king and his nobles. Guess you heard the ruckus going on. Came into the banquet hall. May the king live forever, she said. Don't be alone. Don't look so pale. <laughs> There is a man in your kingdom. He don't even know about this fellow in his kingdom. Who has the spirit of the holy God, small G-O-D-S, in him in the time of your father or the time of you uh, uh, of Nebuchadnezzar, which we have established that it technically is not his father, father. He is a descendant of Nebuchadnezzar. And I'm not going to argue whether it's his granddaddy, great-granddaddy, or just a descendant. I really don't care. I mean, you can have that argument with yourself. I mean, when people sing the little song, Father Abraham, I mean, it's a, we, we say Father Abraham, I, I know good and well he ain't my granddaddy, technically, spiritual granddaddy. I mean, guess you can make that argument. It says, she says, there is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the Holy God in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. Your father, King Nebuchadnezzar, appointed him chief of the musicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. How is he didn't hear about Daniel by phone now? I just, it's kind of strange. Now, I don't believe, nor do any other reliable scholars believe that this queen is his wife. Many believe that uh, this could be his either grandmother. Uh, it's a possibility she's just an older queen who's been there for a while. But she says to him that his father, which simply means here, uh, he was a descendant of King Nebuchadnezzar. She must have been an older woman because she made a reference to King Nebuchadnezzar. We established at least two or three kings, maybe even four kings, had came between Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar. But because you, you must remember that uh, many believe that it's about 70 years has passed from chapter four to chapter five. 70 years between. So Daniel technically is an older fella by now. Uh, so, so it noticed that the arrogant Belshazzar did not even know who Daniel was. How you not know who Daniel is? I mean, did he not read any history books or something? I mean, from the beginning, looked like he'd have took a little history class or something. I don't know, but it says, and so it says that uh, 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 they who don't know history is bound to repeat it. I'm sure you heard that before. So, but it's possible that uh, uh, that the encounter that Nebuchadnezzar had with the, the three Hebrew boys, which were Daniel's friend. You can't tell me he ain't never heard that story before. You remember when Nebuchadnezzar commanded that all, everybody should worship this fake image that he had built up and, and they got thrown in the fiery furnace. You remember that? How can the king not know that story? I mean, even if 70 years pass about, I mean, we know about World War II. We know about World War uh, 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 I. We, we know about the Civil uh, War. How does he not know anything about the history of his own country? 
The Bible says, uh, let me let me help you out, Belshazzar. Uh, when 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 you when you uh, when King Nebuchadnezzar threw him in the fiery furnace, it, it, the Bible says he leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisor, "Wait a minute, fellas, we put three fellas in his three. It seemed like there's four of them in there now." <laughs> then Nebuchadnezzar approached the opening of the furnace and shouted, "Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants!" Of the most high God. See, that's the point. Underline that. That's the point he should have got. They was thrown in the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar had enough sense to say, wait a minute. This is like some supernatural stuff. We threw him in the fire and the fire is real hot because some of my own men burn up. But all of a sudden, these fellas are not burned up. As a matter of fact, that's not even a, a, a piece of hair on their head that's even seen. They don't even smell like smoke. I mean, it's like some supernatural stuff. Belshazzar should have read the story. Evidently, he didn't. So look what the queen mother says to him. She says, uh, Daniel, whom the king called Belshazzar, remember he changed Daniel's name, was found to have king mind and knowledge and understanding and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. He was a, he was a, a problem fixer, Daniel was. Technically, God was using Daniel to be an interpreter and a problem fixer. And Daniel had no problem giving all the credit to God. So they called for Daniel uh, and uh, and so he can tell him what this thing means. Notice she calls uh, Daniel, Daniel, and she don't actually call him Belshazzar, which Nebuchadnezzar started calling him. Now, on the side note, you remember that Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, what their names meant, right? We we talked about that, I don't know, three or three months ago or something. Daniel's name actually means God is my judge. The Babylonian name Belshazzar means Baal's prince or Nebo's protect. Uh, Shadrach, which is Hananiah, uh, Shadrach, his Hananiah name uh, means Yahweh has been gracious. Shadrach, the name he gave, uh, that Nebuchadnezzar gave to him means the command of a coup, some, some, some false god. Uh, Mishael, which is Meshach name, means who is like God. See, you should have read some about the name, meaning of this name. And they renamed him, Nebuchadnezzar renamed him uh, to uh, uh, who is like Aku. And then Abednego, whose name was Azariah, in, uh, it literally means in the Hebrew, Yahweh has helped. Uh, 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 his name was changed to uh, Abednego, which means the servant of Nebo. So in a roundabout way, the queen is 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 calling for uh, the God uh, who's my judge, which is Daniel's name means. And if he had read the story of the three Hebrew boys, he would have known that Yahweh has been gracious, Shadrach. And before he sent the vessels to disrespect uh, the God of the Bible, he should have known who God is, Meshach. He also should have known the reason that the Babylonian kings were ruling the world is because Yahweh has helped them Abednego. You get the meaning. Then it says, so Daniel was brought before the king and the king said to him, are you Daniel? <laughs> nice to meet you, Mr. Daniel. Uh, 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 nice to meet you, uh, the one God is my judge. <laughs> That's what he could have said when he, when he saw Daniel. He says, uh, are you one of the exiles my father, the king, brought from Judea? I have heard that the spirits of the gods is in you, that you have insight, intelligence, 
and outstanding wisdom. The wise men, in other words, the fake fellows I brought in who's supposed to be wise and my enchanters were brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means, but they couldn't do it. He just threw them under the bus right there. I, I asked them uh, to be wise and tell me what it meant, but they were unable to do what I was asked. But I'd be lucky they weren't in charge of Nebuchadnezzar because he killed people for not interpreting dreams. What he'll do, I will kill you. Now, I have heard that you are able to give interpretations and to solve difficult problems. I heard you was a problem fixer. If you can read this writing and tell me what it means, you will be clothed in purple, have a gold chain placed around your neck, and be uh, made to be the third highest ruler in the kingdom. <laughs> I still find it crazy or foolish that King Belshazzar uh, did not know that he had this mighty prophet in, in his kingdom, and he don't even know who Daniel is. <laughs> Look at what he said. Are you Daniel, the one of the exiles the, uh, that my father, the king, brought from Judea? I've heard that the spirit of the gods is in you. Uh -huh. We make fun of Belshazzar, but how many of us have access to the throne room of God and we don't use it? <laughs> We're making fun of him because he had Daniel there and, and he ain't talking to Daniel. We have access to the Holy Father day in and day night. We don't even talk to him. First Peter uh, 5 and 7 says, cast all your cares upon him for he cared for you. But we don't cast our cares on him. Jesus once says, come unto me, all ye have labor and have a, a heavy laden and I'll give you rest. They said, no Lord, I don't want rest. I want prescription drugs. No Lord, I want to worry. I like my worrying. My worrying is my God. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your soul. We said, no, I don't want rest. That's kind of what Belshazzar was doing. He should have read a little history. Now, the king says to Daniel, if you can read this writing, I'm going to hook you up. Yeah, I'm going to give you something that, that is going to, you're going to be like a big shot like me. I'm a big shot. You could be third big shot. I'm second big shot. My dad is first big shot. He was saying, I'm going to hook you up. I, I like Daniel's response though. This ain't the response you usually would give a king or somebody in charge. Daniel says, <laughs> now, Daniel's name means what again? God is my judge. So, God Almighty was about to judge Belshazzar through Daniel. Do you remember what Belshazzar's name means? Baal protect the king. Well, it just so happened that Baal is not going to be able to protect the king from Yahweh or Daniel's God who is judging right now. The text says, Daniel answered the king, you may keep your gifts for yourself and give your reward to someone else. I don't want your stuff, is what Daniel's saying. You can't do nothing. If, if God wants me to have it, I'm going to get it. Daniel says, won't you just keep that for yourself? And how about give them rewards to somebody else? I'm not really interested in that, but nevertheless... I'm going to read the writing that's on the wall. I'm going to give you an interpretation. Now, you may not like it, but I'm going to tell you what it said. Daniel says to the king, you can keep the gifts. As a matter of fact, any one of these other, uh, like Sue Sales or something, want the reward, give it to them. It ain't going to do you much good anyway because it's going to come to the end of the night anyway, partner. Uh, Daniel was about to tell the king, your days are numbered, O king. He was going to give him a little handwriting on the wall. Your gifts 
is not going to benefit me or anyone that you give them to because the handwriting is on the wall, my brother. And Cyrus is about to break through the fortified city of Babylon because Yahweh has declared it. Then Daniel says in verse 18, your majesty, the most high God, gave your father Nebuchadnezzar sovereignty. Who gave it to him again, Daniel? Daniel said, I'm going to preach a little bit before I do an interpretation. <laughs> I'm going to interpret it, but I got to preach a little sermon before I get to that right there. He says, Daniel says, your majesty, which is the most high God, gave your father Nebuchadnezzar sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. In other words, Nebuchadnezzar didn't get it. God gave it to him. Who gave it to him, Daniel? Oh, the most high God. <laughs> Your majesty gave it to him. Then he says in verse 19, because of the high position he gave him, all the nations and the peoples of every language dreaded and feared him. Those the king wanted to put to death, he put to death. Now he tried to do that with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but the most high said it ain't going to happen. <laughs> Those he wanted to spare, he spared those he wanted to promote, he promoted. And those he wanted to humble, he humbled. In other words, God, my God, gave him a lot of power. Not because Nebuchadnezzar deserved it, but because it was in God's sovereign plan. Then Daniel says, but when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was disposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. God gave it to him. The Lord give it and the Lord take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He was driven away from the people and given the mind of an animal. He lived <laughs> with the wild donkeys and ate grass like an ox. I like to see that. Would you just love to see some evil ruler who's been in charge out there eating grass like an ox? I'm going to be videotaping. I'm just telling you right now. And his body was drenched with dew of heaven until he acknowledged. What, who did he acknowledge, Daniel? He acknowledged the most high God is sovereign over all kingdoms on the earth and sets over them anyone he wishes. Woo! What a sermon that, Daniel. That Daniel boy, he, he, he's something. Now he's a little older, but that fire is still burning in, in Daniel when he, and he gets there. Daniel says, I bet Daniel was somewhere praying. I'm sure he was somewhere praying, as was his custom. They called for Daniel and beckoned him to come, and I'm sure God probably had already warned him, are oh, they coming for you, Daniel? Here's, here's the interpretation. It says, Daniel says that God Almighty made pride eat grass in the person of King Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel says God stripped him of his glory. Then the Most High traded in his brilliant mind that was trained at the best schools. God took all the military training and gave him the mind of an animal. How could Belshazzar not know this story is what I want to know. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me that uh, Nebuchadnezzar was eating grass like a wild animal? How can he not know this story? <laughs> I mean, my forefather was eating grass. He was a powerful king. Now he ain't eating grass. This is why God always reminds the children of Israel to teach their children 
about his laws and his statutes because people always forget stuff. It said, remind them. Daniel said he was kept out there until when, Daniel? He acknowledged the Most High is in charge of all kingdoms on the earth. He gives them to whoever he wants to and he takes them away. Preach, Daniel. Preach that thing. Pat him on his back and said, preach, boy. Notice he asked Daniel to tell him what the words were and what is the meaning of them. But Daniel, being uh, a preacher and prophet, decided this is a great time to preach a little sermon uh, before I get to the handwriting on the wall. Do you listen uh, uh, to the Most High before you get to the handwriting on the wall? That's what, see, we shouldn't wait till we get to the point that Belshazzar is at before we want to understand the handwriting on the wall. Once you get to that point, it could be too late. That's what I'm saying. Reprobate is the word that comes up to mind. So then Daniel says in verse 22, but you Belshazzar, his son, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. Wait a minute. He actually knew this and he still did it? Daniel said you knew about this. See, we take it for granted. He didn't know the arrogance of him. He said you knew this and you still did it. Instead, you have set yourself up against who? The Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you and you and your nobles and your wives and your concubines drank wine in them. You're disrespectful, son. That's what he was trying to tell him. You praised the gods of silver and gold and bronze and iron and wood and stone, which cannot see or hear. In other words, Daniel says, your fake gods are not real. That's what he's saying in so many words. He just called all of his gods fake in his face. That Daniel is kind of bold right there. That's kind of unloving and untolerant, Daniel, for you to say his gods are fake. Daniel was saying there's only one true God. These things y'all are worshiping, talking about the gods of silver and gold and bronze and iron and wood and stone. That's foolishness. Stop it. But you did not honor the God who holds it uh, in his hand, your life and all your ways. That's scary. Boy, that Daniel is preaching this thing. I'm telling you. <laughs> Wait one minute. Daniel says, but you, Mr. Belshazzar, knew this and you still did not humble yourself. He said, you disrespected the one who holds your very life in his hand. You had this great banquet, invited everyone to see you disrespect the most high. You even invited your wives and your concubines and to pretend uh, as if these other gods was the one doing this. Daniel says, now I'm going to explain the text to you. I preached my sermon now. Now we're going to interpret what it actually means. Therefore, he sent the hand. Who sent the hand, Daniel? Who sent the hand? He says, God Almighty sent the hand to write this inscription. This is the inscription that was written. Written. Midi, Midi, Tekel, Parson. I don't speak whatever language, but I'm just that it, it, it says the words mean meaning, M-E-N-E. God has numbered your days. He said that twice. Just make sure you got it. <laughs> God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. And the buck stops here, so to speak, is what Daniel was saying. And he said, Mina, Mina, two times. So that's like a double jeopardy right there. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Did you not hear me the first time Daniel says? Then he says, to kickle, uh, to kickle. 
You have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. But that's the old saying <laughs> that they, they used to say. Boy, I already weighed you. you it, it ain't much to you. <laughs> I didn't weigh you in the scale. God Almighty through Daniel is saying, I've weighed you. Ain't much to you, King Belshazzar. Uh, you're, you're a lot of fluff. You think you're in charge. You technically think it's because of your wisdom or your daddy's wisdom that you are technically in charge of something. But I've, I've weighed you on the scales. God's scales is a measuring too. He said, I weighed you on the scales. And guess what the scales told me? The reading on the scales says found wanting. In other words, insufficient. In other words, that the God of the Bible, the most high God, who you've been disrespecting up in here, he weighed you on his scales and he found you wanting. Also, there's another word, Paris. Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Then Belshazzar, look what he said. Belshazzar, I'm glad for that interpreter right there. I'm glad you interpret that for me, Daniel. I don't, what is he, is the wine messing with this boy's brain or something? He says, let Daniel be clothed in purple. Give him a gold chain. He already said he don't want it, king. He said, no, no. Give him uh, the, 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 the raw clothing. Give him a gold chain. Uh, place it around his neck. And he's, he's the third highest ruler in the kingdom. And then the Bible says that very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain. Mm. Well, that's a quick prophecy. You're talking about fulfilling prophecy real quick. I mean, it just, sometimes it don't happen that quick. You want it to happen that quick. I know I do. I be wanting it. Come right now, Lord. Get, take vengeance, Lord. It don't usually happen this quick. But Daniel gives them proclamation. Don't forget, Cyrus and crew is outside. Now, but the Bible in verse 31 says, Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. You see, I thought Cyrus was out there uh, 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 sieging the city. He was. Bible says Darius the Mede took over the kingdom. Many say Darius was Cyrus' father-in-law. So Cyrus, they say, was content with the power and the satisfaction that I defeated Babylon the Great. <laughs> he says, I don't care about you giving a little credit to Darius. That's my father-in-law. It's funny that Daniel was, uh, after they came in and started uh, killing up people, isn't it funny that nothing happened to Daniel? Is, is that just coincidence? Because God has a way of protecting you. That's why I always find it one, uh, funny when people be running around like they, like chickens with their head chopped off. Oh my God, it's all going to end. What are we going to do? I don't know what you're going to do, but God is my protector. God Almighty protects me. So uh, if you, I, I, I would tell you, you probably need to get saved because whatever God uh, has for you, it's going to be for you. God can protect you in any situation. As a matter of fact, when Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was taken into captivity by Nebuchadnezzar, did any harm come up to them? Absolutely not. So you can run around like a chicken with your head chopped off, having faith in men of this world. My faith is in God Almighty. It says that Daniel, it doesn't say what happened to Daniel, but they did give him, they said, here's your, here's your, uh, your raw uh, uh, purple, here's your gold chain, and you're third in the kingdom. That was a, that was a short-lived uh, uh, reign for Daniel right there. God has a way to protect his children in spite of what's going on in a country. Joseph in Egypt, Abraham, 
Daniel and the and the uh, the children of, uh, 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 of Israel. God has a way to protect. So the saints that God has in America, or the UK, or Holland, or or, or France, whatever country you may be in, trusting God and not in man will always put you on the right side. As long as we're trusting the most high God, when the handwriting comes uh, to those who are, uh, that it should come to, you ain't got to worry about it. Because you saw the handwriting on the wall before it got there. Daniel knew it was coming. See, sometimes there's things that's happening in the country or things that are happening in people's lives they don't recognize because they're not even spiritual enough to be recognizing the things of God. Those who are not the children of God are not going to recognize the language of God. Daniel saw it. All these so-called soothsayers, astrologers, they didn't know what was going on because they were not uh, from God. They were actually these fake uh, so-called wise men who pretended to know something that they didn't know. See, the wisdom that they thought was wisdom was not wisdom at all. When God wants his children uh, to be safe, when God wants his children to be protected, God don't have a problem protecting his own, even in the midst of calamity. That's why some people be running around talking about, oh my God, what are we going to do the rapture? What, what are you talking about? I think there's the main reason, and I'm not going to uh, poke too much fun at you today, but I think the main reason in, uh, that the whole doctrine of rapture came along, which is fairly new doc doctrine around the 1800s, the reason it came along is because people think it's some, they get, I guess they get some kind of gratitude and saying, I'm going to be taken away because I'm not going to go through anything. Show me in the Bible, well, when the children of Israel, you're not more holy than Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I mean, all the time, even when the children of Israel was in captivity in Egypt, why is it that times in the Bible, nobody was taken about They went through it. But now all of a sudden, oh my God, no, we're going to be raptured out. It's almost like I got a free will to do whatever I want to because when it get bad, I'm going to be taken out. I can go through the fire. See, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they were not taken out of the fire. They were put in the fire. Problem is the fire didn't burn them. See, you can be a child of God and be put, if your country is going through turmoil, you're a child of God, you can be in the fire, your clothing is not even smelling like smoke because God is protecting you. But you got to understand the handwriting on the wall. Don't wait till it gets too late. Don't you actually be on the side of the heathens. Don't you be on the side of the heathens and then when calamity comes along, you say, I'm on God's side. You don't want to be like in the last days when Jesus was talking about those who going to say, Lord, we did this in your name. And he says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I don't even know you. <laughs> Wait a minute, Lord. We did this in your name. What are you talking about, Lord? We did. No, you did. No, I don't even know you. There's a lot of people proclaiming that they're doing something for Jesus. Or they're proclaiming that they're doing something for the Lord. And they're not doing it for the Lord. It's for their own gratification. And then they sprinkle a little season, look, God talk with it and pretend like they're doing it for the Lord. Why are you so fearful if you are on God's side? I'm on God's side. <laughs> so I don't care who else is against us. You on God's side, you winning. 
Don't make no difference to me. Even when the, uh, the, 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 the children of God, uh, when the prophets was coming along, when the, uh, the apostles came along, even when they was killing them, killing them, notice that they were not fearful of dying because they knew what the end was. They knew that God had a place for them. This earth was not their home. So don't get so caught up. God don't care anything about you having things and stuff. I can't make that clear enough. But don't let the things and stuff have you. Don't you be saying, oh my God, if the stock market crashes, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what you're going to do, but uh, the Lord, I'm on the Lord's side. Uh, so I'm safe. So it don't make no difference to me. Oh my God, we're going to starve. I don't know about you, but I'm not starving. Ever. Because I'm on God's side. So if you're on his side, you will see the handwriting on the wall and you will not be fearful of the handwriting. What to do before the handwriting is on the wall is what you should be telling yourself. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for another day. We thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that you give us wisdom so we, so we will understand the handwriting on the wall before it is too late. Lord, give us the wisdom to worship you and fear you and you alone. Lord, we pray for those in the common sense nation. Lord, we pray that you will bless their minds and their hearts. Preserve them, Lord, and in such a wicked time. Give them the strength to stand on your word. And Lord, please strengthen their hearts and their minds to serve and worship only you. Lord, we prayed last week for Kelly. She was diagnosed with breast cancer. We pray, Lord, that you heal her body. And Lord, cleanse her of any cancer. We know that you made her and you know all about her. And you're able to do that. It is in Jesus Christ's name we pray. And Lord, if there's anybody listening who has not accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, placing their full faith in the finished work that he accomplished on the cross, Lord, we pray right now that they will give their lives over to Jesus Christ and they will trust him alone for salvation. It is in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen and thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, hope that there's something that has been said that you may glean something uh, from it. If any of you <clears throat> would like to make a donation, you can do so. If you're not in the chat room, JLC has placed it placed our um, donation um, link in the chat room. If you're not in the chat room and you want to go to the website, commonsensenation.net, go down to the donate button. It'll take you right over. If the Lord had laid on your heart, please do so. If he's not, we're not mad at you. Uh, only if the Lord has placed it on your heart because the Lord loves a chill forgiver. And guess what? You can't be God-given, no matter how hard you try. So thank you so much uh, for joining us. Uh, for all those who have joined us, we're praying for you. We hope that you will pray uh, for us. That's our uh, message for the day. God bless you, and God keep you.